0: أعوذ Alaikum, brothers and sisters I hope everyone is doing well inshallah and uh, welcome to another episode of our tafsir of Dua Kumail podcast. podcast um, in the previous episode we ended here where we were reading this part of the du'a وَكُنِ اللَّهُمَّ بِعِزَّتِكَ fi كُلِّ الْأَحْوَالِ رَأُوفًا We asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have mercy on us, to be kind to us in all states. And uh, when we were going through that line, we explained a little bit about how um, when we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be kind to us and be merc- merciful to us, usually we do that in the context of us having done something wrong. Whereas this line is talking about uh, him being kind and nice to us in all states, and we explained that uh, there is a concept in our literature, whether it's the verses of the Quran or our, our Hadith, that kind of talks about this idea that um, regardless of whether someone is doing something good or bad, essentially they still have shortcomings when it comes to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And so we narrated the story of that Adam who who at the end of of his life basically was saying that I need to do Tawbah from all the good deeds that I've done. And then we continued from that فِي جَمِيعَ أطوفى, And to be gracious to me in all of my affairs وربي غيرك أَسْأَلُهُ كَشْفَ فِي أمري. And we said in this line of the dua, the imam is asking that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a look at his case Takes a look at this complaint that he is bringing to him Which is, by the way a complaint about himself right usually when you complain you're complaining about somebody else in this line of the dua not this line of the dua but the dua of kumail altogether essentially we're complaining to god but we're complaining to him of ourselves uh, in reality so moving on this is where uh, we're going to start for today <inaudible> Uh, essentially what this line is saying is Ya Allah, now that I'm in this position Where the, this decree has been applied to me Which decree is this? This decree that if you disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That there is going to be a punishment for it Okay uh, this Understanding that this is what we're talking about This decree is what we're talking about is going to be very important because Imam Ali is going to come back to this quite a bit in the uh, following lines. So essentially he's saying, Ya Allah, me being in this position, again, that position being the fact that because now I've disobeyed you, because I've sinned, because of that now uh, I am worthy of your punishment. He says, me going through this decree is because I followed my own ego. It wasn't your fault, it was just that I put myself in this situation. وَلَمْ أَحْتَرِسْ فِيهِ in تَزِيَنَ عَدُوِّي And I was not wary, I was not paying attention, I was not vigilant when it came to the fact that my enemy, in other words, Shaitan, would adorn things to me. He would make things look beautiful to me. Okay, so we want to pause here because this idea of adorning things and taking things and making them look beautiful is something that is mentioned uh, quite a bit in our hadith and in the verses of the Qur'an. And... The root word that's used to describe this is the root word of taziyin, okay, which means to take something and to adorn it to make it look beautiful, right? To put ornaments all over it, essentially, is what taziyin means. So, um, we find this that this is the promise of Shaytan at the very beginning when he was having that infamous conversation that he was having with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. In that conversation, and this one is from Surah Al-Hijr, and I mention this because, of course, the conversation is mentioned uh, multiple times in the verses of the Qur'an. He says, You need to leave, right? And you will be cursed until the day of judgment. Shaitan responded with, He said, let me live until that day that everyone is resurrected. He said, no problem, you will be amongst those who will have the chance to be alive until then. إِلَى يَوْمِ الْوَقْتِ الْمَعْلُومِ Until the time of that day that is, uh you know, or the day that has that time that is set, right? that uh, The day that's not going to change, essentially, which is another way of referring to the Day of Judgment. And then he said this, and this is the line that I wanted to explain a little bit. He said, Ya Allah, because you have tricked me. And it's interesting when he's saying this in this verse, because he starts out by saying, says my nurturer. So he's already acknowledging in this sentence of his that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has nurtured him. Okay, he's already done him a favor. But nonetheless, he says, Because you have tricked me, right? And you have misguided me. Now essentially you see this in this line. The first point that should, you know, draw your attention is that Shaitan is putting the blame of him acting in the way he acted on who? On Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, because you misguided me. So we're going to come back to that in just a couple of lines. It's very important. So hold on to that. But then he says, Ya Allah, because you misguided me, La Lahum Fil I will make sure to do tazeen for your servants on earth. Right? Which means that I will take bad things and I will make them look beautiful. Or I will take the pleasures of this world, right? That come with difficulties, they are sins, right? And I will make them look beautiful in their eyes. So this is something that Shaitan has promised to do essentially from the very beginning. And when you look at our lives today, living in the societies that we live in and living in the culture that we live in, you will find this concept of tazin quite a bit. That things that are supposed to be frowned upon are all of a sudden hailed as these great awesome things, right? And as time changes, you will find that these different values that before were frowned upon, they were bad things. They will then turn into things that people look at and consider it beautiful. They will look at it and consider it as something that's nice, right? So to just to give you like a real-life example, uh, you know, an example that you will see in your day-to-day life, the concept of being unfaithful, for example. Uh, This was a concept that, you know, maybe 50 years ago, 60 years ago, it was framed, uh, it was frowned upon, and, and people would consider it as something that was evil. Nowadays, it's very different. Nowadays, if someone is unfaithful, right, and the discussion goes towards this idea of, yes, you know, this was the person who was meant for me and and this is the one, essentially, and all that. Then all of a sudden, it's hailed as something that is done that was brave, right? It's hailed as, wow, look at how brave this person was that they were able to uh, get out of their life, right? And get out of the the normal framework of their life and, you know, make the changes that were necessary to make for them to live a happy life, for example, right? This is the taziyin of shaitan, that shaitan makes being unfaithful, he can take that same concept that is that if you put in front of anybody, um, normally they would say it's, it's horrible and it's bad. He will make it look beautiful in the eyes of people. Now, it's interesting because in the Ahadith of the uh, Ahlul Bayt, uh, you find traces of this concept and they speak of a time where taziyin will be done Right? Bad things will be taken and will be made to look very beautiful and very good. Um, and they mention that as one of the signs of the end of times. So there's a famous uh, hadith from the Prophet, salawatullahi And um, he is there. This is from his uh, Abdullah ibn Abbas, famous, famous companion of the Prophet. And he says, We were doing Hajj with the Prophet, Hajjat al Wida. We were in the final Hajj of the Prophet. Um, and he الكعبة, He went up to the Kaaba علينا, and then he turned towards us. right? And he said, الصعى, Should I not tell you of the signs of the end of times, like the signs before the Day of Judgment comes? Right? And then in the Hadith, Abdullah ibn Abbas says that the closest person to the Prophet, like positioning-wise, right, was Salman. And so Salman asked him, he said, yes, please, you know, would you tell us of these uh, you know these signs of the end of times so in the hadith the it's a very long hadith so I'm not going to go through the whole thing but one of the things that um, you know is mentioned by the Prophet to Salman is that there's going to come a time where horrible things happen and these horrible things that are munkar they're supposed to be frowned upon they will turn into ma'roof, they will turn into things that people consider to be really nice, really beautiful, and really good. And on the flip side, right, things that are good, they actually, in the eyes of people, they turned into uh, things that are horrible and they're frowned upon, essentially. So it's interesting because in the hadith, when the Prophet mentions this, uh, Salman, he's very surprised, right? And he keeps asking in this hadith with this uh, wording. He says, Like, is this actually going to happen one day that people will take things that are munkar, they will turn them into ma'ruf, right? They'll take bad things, turn them into good things, and, and and vice versa. And the Prophet, every time he says this, the Prophet says, Like, he says, Yes, I swear by the one who holds my life in his hands these things will happen and then he adds even more things right so that's why it's a very long hadith because the first thing that uh the prophet mentions to Salman Salman is surprised he says is it going to happen and then the prophet says yes this will happen and not just this let me tell you more more will happen so at the third or fourth thing that he mentions is what i mentioned right but essentially this concept of tazin is a concept that is mentioned as one of the signs of the end of times which means that is just it's so horrifying from a religious perspective and from the perspective of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that shows that when this happens right it means the human being has reached the absolute end point right like you can't get any worse uh, than this and I mentioned an example of how this in our societies in our cultures it's really something that you know we we deal with uh, and, and there's many more examples if we if we pay attention okay so the imam was saying if i'm in this position it's because i did wrong right i followed hawa nafsi i followed the desire of my ego and i also did not pay attention to my enemy in other words i knew there was an enemy out to get me i knew shaitan you had told me that shaitan is out to get me but i didn't pay attention still right and i still ignored the idea that he would do tazin he would make things look beautiful in my eyes okay bima So Shaitan tricked me because of the things that I desire. Alright? Which makes sense, right? Because Shaitan will use the things that we desire for us to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's so that's obviously his tool. And destiny favored him. Okay. So what is the Imam trying to say when he says, you know, destiny favored him? Um is it very beautiful? Essentially, what the imam is saying is that, Ya Allah, if I ended up disobeying you, it's not the fact that this was all premeditated. You know that when it comes to crimes, for example, there is a big difference between the person who commits a crime, right? And it's simply because, for example, he lost his cool in a certain moment and he committed a crime. Um, There's a difference between that person and a person who had you know done it in a premeditated manner right? there's a difference between a person who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time as we say right and ended up doing something wrong and a person who no, he planned out the whole thing he planned out all the details and you know he took into consideration all the different factors and then he committed this right even when it comes to murder for example there's a big difference between a person who did it as a premeditated act right or a person who might have done it as an accident or a person who might have done it but just in, you know in the spur of the moment and in the in the heat of the moment essentially so what the imam is saying here is ya allah if i ended up disobeying you right and going against you it's not that i have a problem with you and and this is a very important concept right because if someone does something against allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he does it just out of spite like he does it out of animosity. This person's situation is very different from the one who does it, but he just did it out of the you know out of his ignorance, right? As the Imam said early on uh, before he said, well, because of my ignorance, right, I ended up doing this. This part of the du'a the Imam is saying, no, I just got caught up at the wrong place in the wrong time. That's what he means by destiny favored him. Meaning that I was in a situation where I was vulnerable, right? And my desires, they got the best of me. And Shaitan, he used my desires for me to disobey you. Why is he saying this? Because as I mentioned, if you walk away from a sin and you walk away from it saying, you know what? This was just the spur of a moment and now I'm going to do Toba. It's very different from the one who had done this in a premeditated manner. So the verses of the Qur'an tell us that when someone does a sin in a premeditated manner, in the sense that they sit and plot and plan how they're going to go about disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the verses of the Qur'an say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then takes His plotting and His planning and starts to plot and plan against Him. Right. So these are verses 45 to 47 of Surah Ibrahim. He says, Waqad Makaru, He's speaking about the people who came before us, right? The people who, um, you know, the stories of the Qur'an mention all these people who came before us who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished and, you know, got rid of them, essentially. Waqad makrahum Says, they were doing their makr, right? They were doing their plotting. makruhum. But when they were plotting and they were, you know, premeditating how they were going to go about, you know, disobeying us, they were doing their plotting right in front of us. It's a very beautiful wording that the Quran is using. Even if their plots and plans were the best of plotting. and was the best of planning, because they were doing it right in front of us. We knew exactly. And then other verses of the Quran tell us, right? Because they were plotting and planning, now Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is plotting and planning against them. Right? So there's a difference between a, a person who ends up doing something wrong but he just did it in the heat of the moment as compared to the one who did it but uh, he premeditated, he was premeditating about it and he, he planned out all the details. And this line of the du'a, Imam Ali is saying, listen, I did not do this as a premeditated thing. I simply... Was just caught up in the heat of the moment, right? And of course, I've mentioned this multiple times before. This disclaimer that whenever we talk about Imam Ali, we're not talking about an actual sin. The you know anyone who knows the character of Ali ibn Abi Talib and anyone who knows the character of the special servants of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, they will always speak of their shortcomings. And these shortcomings, of course, are not sins, right? Um, one of the things that actually explains this a little bit, and I'm just going to touch on it real quick and move on, is that there are different levels to the, pure, the, the purity of the intention that somebody has, right? So the, the closest servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes their intention may not be the purest of the purest it might be a little lower of a level, right? And that's what they might be speaking of when they say when they repent to Allah, so sort to of speak, right? Um, again, when I say their intention may not be the purest level it doesn't mean that they were doing something for people and not for God No, that's like the basic level Of you know, having your intention be purified, but then there are higher levels, and because it's a separate discussion, I don't really want to go into it. But it's interesting, Imam Khomeini, in his book, uh, Adab Salat, The Etiquette of Salat, he talks about seven or eight different levels of the purification of someone's intention. When we say ikhlas, he says there's seven or eight levels to it, and it's not something to for us to be concerned about because. You know, someone like me, I'm struggling with the first level, so I don't really have to worry about all the seven or eight levels. But I only bring this up because when it comes to the servants of God, the special servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's a little bit easier for us to now understand why if they did tawbah, what did they mean? It's not that they did like something haram. No, sometimes maybe instead of level six of, 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 of ikhlas, they had level five, for example. And for them, that was a really big deal. And for them they would, you know, you know, they would say, Oh, I've had a shortcoming, right? And they would speak as if they have uh, committed a sin. So just a point on the side that whenever Imam Ali is talking about these, you know, he's repenting, he said, I've had these shortcomings, whatnot, it doesn't have to be a sin and we know that it definitely was not a sin for him. But when we go through the dua, of course, for you know, fortunately or unfortunately, it's a lot easier for us to relate to the dua because um, we have committed sins right so when we go through the du'a, we don't have to go through this this issue of trying to figure out what sins we're talking about no we know what sins we're talking about anyways moving on because of me getting caught up in the wrong place and at the wrong time I ended up going against you know you know transgressing some of your uh, red lines essentially walafwa and I went against some of your commands, But, Ya Allah, I want to make this very clear. And this is that point that shaitan failed on and that I mentioned that we're going to come back to it in the dua. Because after saying all of this and setting all this up, Imam Ali says, to wrap up this part, says, فَلَكَ الْحُجَّةُ عَلَيَّ فِي جَمِيعِ ذَلِكِ But you know what? I, there is no way that I can deflect blame. You have the biggest proof and evidence against me. In other words, I can't sit there and say, oh, it was God's fault. Right? Oh, it was qismat It was qada You know, sometimes we say, for example, when someone does something wrong, we say, oh, it happens, you know, I'm sure everything happens for a reason. Right? And a lot of times we take that and we use that in order to deflect blame from ourselves. And there's more to this discussion, of course, I'm, I'm gonna delve into it a little bit later on. But essentially, the Imam is showing that he's not in a position of deflecting blame. And what we saw in the uh, lines from the Quran, from Surah Al Hajr, this is in fact the first thing Shaitan did, right? He said, Rabbim bima Said, Ya Allah, because you misguided me, right? So, anyone who is in this habit, really, of deflecting blame, Essentially they they are acting just like Shaytan because that's the first thing Shaytan did. When things went wrong for him, instead of in my words, manning up, right, and saying, You know what? I you know, I'm sorry, I I I, I was at fault. The first thing he did was what? He did not accept his fault. He said, Rabbi you're the one who misguided me. Therefore now I'm gonna go and misguide other people. So we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when we do make a mistake, that inshallah we can uh, you know, take responsibility for it. Inshallah, in the next episode we're gonna continue um, from and uh, the rest of the du'a. Inshallah.